Hey, welcome back. And last last show we talked about conspiracy theories. And uh, now we're going to narrow it down just a little bit. We both like uh, John F. Kennedy. So, okay, it's John F. Kennedy. Okay. Anyway, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to talk, you know, we're going to talk about uh, John F. Kennedy. Yep. So I guess we can just start with a timeline. Yeah. Kind of go over what happened that day if you lived under, if you lived under a rock and never heard of what happened on that day. So I guess it was November 22nd, 1963, and he was going out campaigning to get reelected. And I guess we can start from there. Um, the first time stamp, I guess if you want to call it, that I have is at 11.38, Air Force One lands at Love Field in Dallas. And at 11.46, the Kennedys get off and greet the crowd on the fence line, which I know the Secret Service and all the documentaries, everything I've watched, they just, they hated that. But Kennedy wanted wanted to be out next to people and be accessible. He didn't want to look like, you know, he was being, you know, I don't know how to say it. He wasn't, you know. Yeah, he was out there. You know, he wanted to be friendly and meet the people and stuff, but they couldn't control the crowd because, you know, they never knew what was going to happen. Well, and so. they couldn't control him because yeah. he just did whatever <laughs> he wanted. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, that w- that would be hard. You know, you're trying to protect somebody, and he's right over there with the crowd, man. You never know if somebody had a gun or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay, so at 11.52, the motorcade leaves Love Field with JFK, uh, Jackie, Governor Conley, and his wife in the first car. And I believe the uh, follow-up car was the Secret Service. Yes. Detail behind them. And I know that they refused to put the bubble on the car. He wanted to be out. Where people could see him as they're going through Dallas for everybody to wave and they could wave. And they he really wanted them to see Jackie, that she was out. And she, he really believed she was the, the you know, the who everybody wanted to see Yeah, was her. Yeah, everybody liked her. She mm-hmm. was really nice, you know. And, and that's one thing about the Secret Service, though. They wanted to write on the car. And he absolutely denied him. He would not let him do it, you know. Yeah. You can follow me in the car, but don't you write on my car. Because I want them to see us. Yeah, they wanted to a clear shot of them. Bad, bad choice of words, but <laughs> you know, a clear look at them. You know, in the cars or in the car. You know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so our next timestamp is twelve twenty-one p.m. The motorcade turns onto Main Street, headed to Dealey Plaza, and that brings us to twelve twenty-nine. When the motorcade turns onto Elm Street in Dealey Plaza and the first shot is supposedly fired, missing the president. And at 12.30, the second shot was fired, causing Kennedy to grab his throat. Yes. And that is, well, I guess when they turn onto, well, shortly after they turn onto Elm is kind of when the famous video footage everybody in the, <laughs> has ever seen is, you know, it starts. Yeah. That's where you can see everything kind of in, you know, succession go through. And everything I've watched is he seems to be waving, okay, and then he goes behind a 
freeway sign, some sort of sign for, you know, I can't remember if it was a road sign or a... Yes, and then it was a tree. Yeah, and when he comes out, you can see him. He looks like he is holding his neck. Yes. He looks like, and he, he, as much as you can tell with the, you know, the older footage is he looks like he's in distress. He doesn't look like he's, you know, okay at that moment while he's grabbing his throat. You know, he's, he's got his hands up to his throat. Yeah. And, and and then you can see her start to react as well to yeah. him. Yeah. She's like, what's going on? She like looks over at him, you know, and then they can't figure it out, you know? Yeah. So, and that was the, that was the second shot, supposedly, is when he grabs his throat. Yes. And so the next, um, just seconds after that, the shirt, the third shot is fired, hitting him, hitting him in the head. I think this whole situation is, I mean, it, it's caused its own, you know, conspiracy theorists to come up with every possible thing of what could happen because you can analyze it, which we're about to, down to about <laughs> everything, you know. I mean, it's just every little thing. Yeah, I just could go off into any direction on a different tangent, you know, or, or be different than what's actually out there. Yeah. You know, it, it, everything is, everything that happens is a what if. You yep. know, or what if what if they would have done this or what if they done that? Well, this is what happened, you know, what we're trying to, you know, look at and uh, kind of analyze a little bit. This is what happened. And uh, I don't know, we got to quit. What if, what if, what if, because it didn't, but. The third shot was fired, um, which is the, I mean, that's the really famous video, the Sapruder film that shows a horribly graphic video of him, you know, the front part of his head getting blown apart, basically. It's not something I'd recommend to go watch, but. Yeah. Yeah, it was sad. And at 12.34, the first international press bulletin come in saying that three shots were fired at the president's motorcade in downtown Dallas. At 12.35, the president's limo arrived at Parkland Hospital and he was rushed in. And I've heard, I don't know, I don't know if we should go on to the next or start there, but um, let's move on one more. Then the third shot was fired, and that's the one that you can see on the film. The really famous, you know, there's a Pruder film that everybody's seen, I'm sure. And When he's hitting the head and, you know, part of it gets blown away. It's very graphic video. You know, yeah, it, it's really sad. But, you, you know, like like the... the Secret Serviceman? Secret Serviceman. I couldn't think of they were. It was a Secret Serviceman. You know, you got to give them credit. I mean, the one, uh, Clint Hill, I think his name is. Anyway, you see him running for everything, you know, puts his life in danger. He jumps on the back of that car because he was uh, President Kennedy's wife's bodyguard, you know. Mm -hmm. And he runs up there to protect her. He jumps on the back of that car. Here that car takes off, you know, running, you know, 80, 80 plus miles an hour. He is on the trunk holding on for dear life, you know. And the other car is right behind him. And if, you know, if he falls off, you know, they would run over him. I mean, the Secret Service, you got to give them credit. Oh, you know? yeah. And, and his, I've seen quite a few interviews of him. He's very, very 
open and candid about what happened that day. And, you know, I mean, he, they wanted to ride on the car and he wanted to be right there by her. So he was never too far away from her. But the president told him nobody was riding on the car. You guys, they had, that's why they had a follow-up car. You ride on the follow-up car. They don't want to be blocked from seeing Jackie or him. They wanted to be, you know. And he even comes out and says, I, I was actually, you know, they said that the streets were so full of people on either side that they were having to basically, you know, crowd out either side, you know. They said the limo would go to one side or the other to avoid the people that were standing out on the street. Oh, yeah. And they were so close, he, he actually got on the back of the car, and you can see video of him get on the back of the car at one point just to kind of have a barrier between the people and her. And he even says, you know, the couple of times the president turned around or looked over his shoulder and seen him there and kind of, I don't know if he gave him a dirty look, but kind of, you know, looked at him and he... You know, he backed off and got... When they cleared out, he backed off and got back on the other car. But um, I know in one interview he talked about when he did run up to her, you know, he said he could look down and he could actually, you know, tell that it was pretty much... He was mortally wounded, you know. He said he could actually see down in brain cavity or whatever no, you want to call yeah. it. He could see down in there and he just... He turned around to look at the the follow-up car and, you know, just shook his head. You know, no, like it's, it doesn't look good. Yeah. I mean, it just, and you know, and he, I've heard other interviews that there was blood and, and everything else that, you know, would come out of him getting shot in the head all over that Secret Service, that Clint Hill was all over her, was the back of the car. There's actually reports of people in the crowd along the route that got some of it on them as well. And I mean, it, I, it's yeah. very, very, very terrible. Yeah. I, I can't believe, you know, the people were there cause they just loved him, you know, how he, uh, the way he was, uh, he was a great president, you know, trying to, he was a no bullshit guy, you know? Yeah. To the next one. The next point I got is at 1234 is when the first kind of news report came in. That said that three shots were fired at the president's motorcade in Dallas. And at 12.35, the limo arrived at Parkland Hospital. Also, that same, that Secret Service guy, that Clint Hill, he actually talked in an interview as well that, you know, when he jumped on the back of that car, that street they were on, that that road turned into an on-ramp on the freeway. So when that last shot hit, he all I can't remember if it was him or who it was, or they got on the radio and all they heard was, go, 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 get a, get us out of here. And the car took off, and he was hanging on the trunk of that car while they were doing 80 miles an hour or better down the freeway to get to the hospital. So it's, you know, I mean, he, plus a car right behind him. I mean, he was, you know, he close to dying himself of, you know, falling off the car or whatever and all the way to Parkland, you know. And, um... Yes, that's the thing, you know. He even talked about how they didn't get paid a lot, you know, how they the minimum pay, but yet they put their life on the line for the people, you know. And that's what he said, you know, that through, the, through the time he spent with them, 
how he loved them, how they were just awesome people, you know, so he would do anything for them. And, you know, not just his job. Yeah, and in a couple of the, or one of the interviews I listened to as well, when they got to the hospital, um, she didn't want to let him, she didn't want them to see um, JFK. Jackie didn't, you know, see him like that. So that um, Secret Serviceman actually took his jacket off and covered his head and they got him out of the car and onto the stretcher and into the hospital. And at 12.57, um, Kennedy is given last rites and is pronounced officially dead. And I didn't put the time in there on that one, but but there's, um, uh, I believe it was Walter Cronkite was the news anchor. Yeah. At the time, there's a, pretty, there's a news um, coverage of him actually coming on there and telling everybody the president is dead has died he was shot and it was really i don't know it was interesting to watch of course i wasn't you know alive when it happened so you know i yeah <laughs> i don't know but um he gets on there and tells them that he's dead that that the president has died and at the end he actually starts breaking down after he tells everybody you know that i that just kind of hit me like you know i don't know if that would happen today or not. I don't know if anybody, you know, if there is uh, yeah. feelings like that for a president. Like, I mean, just so many people loved him or whatever, you know. I mean, and you can see it along the parade route, everybody, when people found out about it, it was crowds everywhere were just, you know, they were breaking down. They just, it was, I mean, it was a huge event, obviously. I mean, but, I mean, it being him was a big part of it, too. Yeah. You know, it is funny. Back then, the respect they had for the president, you know, it was always President Kennedy, you know. And to nowadays, I don't think that people have the respect. They're too much of, I don't know, what am I, what am I trying to say? You lo- they've lost the president. It, it's just so-and-so. It's just their, their, their name. It's... You know, whatever the president's name is, it's, well, he's, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, back then, yeah, it was all respect. And nowadays, you you don't see that respect, no. you know. And it was sad. Everybody loved, you know, President Kennedy and Jacqueline Kennedy. They, uh, he was great, you know. Okay, so the next timestamp I got is at 115, Officer J.D. Tibbetts talks to a man that fits Oswald's description. At 1.15, Officer J.D. Tibbetts is seen talking to a man that fits the description of a suspect that was called over the radio. And that it was seven blocks away from Dealey Plaza. Then police hear a civilian on his radio saying, it's a police officer, someone shot him. At 1.40... A someone is seen sneaking into the movie theater a block away from where the police were shot. And immediately, police start searching the theater and arrest, attempt to arrest a guy in the back of the theater that fits the description. And they fight during the attempted arrest, or the arrest, I guess. And the suspect ends up with a black guy. I, I used to have a question. Why did they suspect him so fast? 
Uh, why did who suspect him? The, the cop that stopped him or, or when he went into the movie theater? Yeah, I mean... What I saw in the movie theater, with the movie theater is, is there was a business owner. I think he owned a shoe store. And it had like a, what do you call that, like an alcove? Like the, the front door, the, the windows were out a little and then the door kind of indented a little from the windows. Do you know, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Kind yeah. of come in. Well, well, the guy that owned the shoe store said he could see police cars, you know, going up and down. There was a lot of commotion going on out here. And he said there was a guy that came into that little area that was kind of hidden a little, you know, and he could see out his store staring at the guy. And the guy was acting really suspicious. And all this commotion going on, and he was was hiding back and kind of looking, you know, kind of looking around the corner to see, you know, what was going on. Oh, well, he's acting really, really suspicious of what this guy said. Oh, yeah. And this guy watched him, and he watched him walk around the back, and he went into, he snuck into the movie theater. So when the cops came, this shoe guy, you know, shoe salesman, whatever, said, uh, you know, basically said there's a guy that just snuck into the movie theater over there. Your guy's over there. That's what I understand. As far as the police, the cop looking for him, um, I guess we missed. I, I I went over the part where they, you know, they had heard shots come from the school, the school book depository there. That's right there on Elm. Yeah. And cops immediately went in there, and they took roll call for everybody that was in the building, and this one person was the one that will the only person that wasn't you know there for the roll call if it were yeah that's what i understood why oh okay yeah that makes a little more sense you know okay where were we let's see 2 p at 2 p.m the secret service start to leave parkland hospital with the president's body and the county medical examiner attempted to stop them and starting an argument between them and the secret service because I, from what I understood, that Dallas or Texas law says that wherever the crime happened, that's where the autopsy is supposed to take place. Yes. But the Secret Service did not want the autopsy to take place in Dallas on the president. They wanted it to take place in Washington, D.C. Yeah. They wanted to take him back home, yes. They didn't want to leave him. Yeah, and, they, and from what I understood, Remember on the uh, the document, couple of documentaries I watched, is they went and bought whatever casket was available at the nearest uh, funeral home, the the nicest one that the funeral had available, and brought it to the hospital and took him out, took him to Air Force One with. Okay, um, two o seven, the president's body leaves Parkland Hospital, headed for Love Field, simultaneously Oswald. Who we now, who they find out is Oswald, Lee Harvey Oswald, arrives at the police station in Dallas. At 12.13, uh, the rifle is found at the book depository in the, well, I don't think, was it found in what they call the sniper's nest? Which is all, you know, where they claim the the shots were fired out of, or was it, wasn't it away from it they found the rifle? Yeah. Because it was can't. behind boxes, they... they one of the officers found it hidden behind boxes. Yeah, well, I thought I thought he set boxes up to help him, you know, 
put the gun on and all that stuff. Yeah, that was what they called the sniper's the sniper's nest. He had yeah. boxes propped up, and it was a certain window. Yeah, which I heard in several different people that have you know done research on this. They said a few, and how they claim this is is when you go there now, there's a little there's a museum, and that that spot is is boxed off. You can't get to it. Oh wow. Because it, you know, it's preserved and exactly how it was when it happened, type of a thing. But they said if you go, to, you can go out, go to the next window over, and look down and basically get a similar eye line of what he would have seen. And most people claim that it's actually a better line of sight and a better shot yeah. from the next window over. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. So, but. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember where they found the rifle. It was, I know it was right. It was at the book. Uh, I don't even know if it was. I think it was on the same floor. Yeah, I think it was. Um, but they find the rifle, and at two thirty-eight, the president's body is loaded onto Air Force One. And a few minutes later, in a cabin on Air Force One, Lyndon Johnson is sworn in as the thirty-sixth president. And I've read a couple different books that just say he is a dick. <laughs> Or was a dick. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah, he is not a real nice person. Yeah, even, you know, even to the, the Secret Service, you know, mm-hmm. some of those uh, stuff we talked about, or some of those I listened to and, and watched those uh, stories, whatever. Anyway, that's what he said, that he was not a people person. No. He didn't like him, you know. Um, okay, at 3 p.m., Oswald's first interrogation begins, and I'm not, I I didn't write down when they found out who he was or whatever else, but that is, this is the first time he's interrogated, and, and he is taken into custody as far, well, as far as they know is for uh, shooting the cop. Yes. It's not even that he was taken in for shooting the president at that time. Um at 6 p.m., Air Force One arrives at Andrews Air Force Base where Robert Kennedy rushes onto the plane before Secret Service unload the president's body off of Air Force One onto the awaiting ambulance. I know she wanted the, him to be taken to the White House. Actually, he was taken to uh, a naval base, I believe, for the autopsy. Yes. Because, you know, she said he was in the Navy, so it should be a naval base that does it. But she wanted him to go in an ambulance instead of a hearse. And I thought it was, um, when he were, when Johnson was swore in, he uh, would not let, he would not have let them swear him in until she was in the room standing next to him. Uh, was that out of respect? I don't or? know. I, I don't know. <laughs> huh. I mean, you know, she was back there sitting with her husband's body right after you know he's been assassinated in front of her and and he will not let the ceremony or the you know yeah swearing in go on until she is standing next to him that maybe it was out of respect i don't know i did hear in several interview or documentaries and 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 one of the books that i uh, read on that too is she was asked several times if she wanted to change her clothes or get cleaned up and she said no because I want them to see what they did to him. Oh, wow. And, I mean, in several pictures, you can see she's got blood on her skirt. And 
her dress she was wearing and her, you know, her gloves and her stockings and even um, Johnson's, uh, President Johnson's, you know, wife, Lady Bird, she's even said, you know, how there was still, you know, the blood and whatever on her and she did not want to change it. She wanted them to see what they did to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's sad. Okay, it's 6.20 p.m. Oswald's second interrogation of the police station begins. This is one of the parts that really I don't understand. He was led from one room, one interrogation room to the other interrogation room in front of reporters in a hallway 15 times. <laughs> wow. They took him out of one room, down a hall to another where all the reporters are standing in the hallway. Why? Just to show him off to say, oh, this is... Let them all get a look at him to see, oh, this is the one that shot the president. I, I don't know. I don't know why he was paraded in front of the press 15 different times. That's what's weird. Is it to take the to take the heat off of somebody else? Maybe, you know, like, uh, oh, the bullet off the grassy knoll or whatever, you know? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. That was That is one that, that, that I don't understand. Um, okay, at 7 p.m., the president's body arrives at Bethesda Naval Hospital for the autopsy. And he's taken back to the White House afterwards for, for funeral arrangements. On November 24, 1963, at 11.21, Oswald is shot in the basement of the police headquarters by local club owner Jack Ruby. Oswald is transported to Parkland Hospital, the same hospital JFK was taken to. Okay. Now, did... Jack Ruby understood that uh, the reason he shot him was to shut him up. So he didn't confess. He didn't come clean with something like that. And then I understand that Jack Ruby, the reason he did it, they hired him because he was full of cancer and he was dying anyway. So he didn't care what happened to him. You know, what? you know, what's your feedback on that? That makes sense. I don't know what other reason he would have done that. He would have shot and killed him. You know, I mean, Oswald, in the times they were parading, in the 15 times they were parading him back and forth between rooms, kept saying, I didn't shoot, I didn't shoot anybody, I'm a patsy. I mean, that, that, those are the words and those are the reasons that this is like a conspiracy. Like it is, as he says, you know, I'm a patsy. I'm a patsy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's funny, you know. That's what I heard that Oswell was, uh, you know, he didn't really know exactly everything that was going on, but he started talking about what was going on, and uh, that's why Jack Ruby shot him, you know. And Jack Ruby didn't care. Like I said, you know, he was clear full of cancer, they said, and he was dying anyway, so it was no big deal. Well, I knew it makes sense. Shut him up before he really starts spilling his guts. Yeah, to, to what really happened, you know. I don't know this <laughs> this case this this thing that happened is like I said, every aspect of it sparks can spark a conspiracy. I mean, I don't know how many times we've heard the the magic bullet theory. <laughs> yeah, you know you. That there, there were three shots fired is what they said. And, and from what I understand, the only reason that they actually say there was only three shots is because 
there were three spent shell casing, casings in the sniper's nest, in the book depository. Yeah, but, you know, were they fired from his rifle? Were they fired before, you know, and just laid there? You know, you don't know. And and this, like, it's, this is an endless wormhole of, I mean, you can go down different avenues on this. You could spend forever on this. Yes. Because... I mean, down to the rifle they found. When it was first found, it was claimed to be a different kind of rifle. Not a, what is it, a Manlicker Kakana or something is the name of the actual rifle they said it is. Yeah. And it was a different kind when they first found it. I don't remember what the name they, they thought it was. But there was all these officers or these cops that were hunters and used guns and whatever you know knew quite a bit about guns and they all said it was this kind now they've come back and they've said later they come back and said no it's this kind it's this this uh italian rifle that he just so happened to have ordered in the mail so long before this happened so it, it's so many things just seem to be Forced into this narrative, forced into this <laughs> to follow a narrative, I guess. I mean, yeah. they talk about the bullet. There was a bullet found on the stretcher that they believed come out of Kennedy's body. And at one time, the Warren Commission, the Warren Report, that reported what happened, investigated and reported actually what happened, said that this bullet, pristine bullet found on the stretcher, didn't have scratches, dents, anything in it, was fired out of that gun and was the bullet that hit Kennedy in the head. And one of their first reactions to that were, how did it, how did it come out of his head? Like, if it was in his head, it did that to him, how did it, how did it end up on the stretcher? And their first <laughs> response was, it fell out while they were massaging his heart in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, doing CPR on the way to the hospital. Oh, yeah. He wasn't in a hospital or in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. He was in the limousine. Nobody was massaging his heart or doing CPR on the way to the hospital. Yeah. He he was in the limousine. They got to the limousine, in fact. And, and that was another thing as well. They There was Secret Service and people saw seen cleaning the limousine at the hospital. Wouldn't that be one of the biggest, quote, crimes that have happened and you know, had happened in so many years, that would, wouldn't that be considered a crime scene? And that would be the first thing you would do is don't touch anything? Yeah, you bet. Uh, and, you know, in the Secret Service, they know that stuff, you know. So that would be the first thing they'd be looking at for clues, you know. The bullet here, the bullet there, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, they wouldn't be touching, cleaning, whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and they've come back later and they've said that, well, they... They don't know if the stretcher that they found that bullet on was even the one that Kennedy was on. They don't know. You know, they don't know if it perhaps come out of Conley or, or you know, Governor Conley. Or, they, they don't know. Yeah. But that was put in there to begin with because it followed the narrative that they were writing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, like I said, there's, there's so many this is not just a conspiracy theory. This is a huge bundle of conspiracy theories all wrapped up in one big bag of shit. Because it's... I don't know the... You know, there's so many different 
theories wrapped up in this whole thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, we will we'll never know. But it's just, it's fun, not really fun, I guess it is fun, to kind of, you know, investigate it and do stuff like that. So we can bring it to the people, have them talk about it, you know. I wish they would comment, give us some feedback on this. Let me hear what you have to say about it. I mean, we're doing a little bit. We're talking about it. Let's see what you guys have to say about it. Yeah. Dig, dig, dig.